the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. Working Fans Podcast. And we are going to talk today about top five rematches for Roman Reigns. Welcome back. Did you want to go right into this or do you want to talk a little news first? Well, why don't we do the news after? We'll keep people holding on for that one. Plus, sometimes people have a tendency of tuning in as the show goes. And I want to get people's points when we talk about it. Yeah, I know Randy Osga is definitely excited about you talking about some of the stuff we heard about Hangman Page and Punk. And we'll talk about that. You know, what we're going to go in. Yeah, and if it is true, what we think. But why don't you start off? I think you have one more list than me this week actually so why don't you give me your first two top five dream matches of roman Reigns? first of all i don't trust anybody with two first names but here we go joseph <laughs> e douglas mothership facebook group he would like to see okada lance archer hammerstone jacob fought two is he part of the family oh sorry and <laughs> reigns versus the pencil both wrestling and promo contest I don't think Roman Reigns' skills are good enough to wrestle a pencil, so I don't want to see that one. I don't want to see that, but I think Roman is more than proven himself in the last few years now that he can handle himself on the mic. Oh, absolutely. He does a great job with his promos, and I'm not knocking his wrestling skills. I just don't. He's not in that technical level of, say, uh, Daniel Garcia, where I want to see him wrestle. I know exactly what you meant. We're talking about a select few people of a Ric Flair, a Bret Hart. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That could make it entertaining. So that's the that's what he will say. The pencil. That's what they mean. That tippy top best guys. There's only a few out there. Yeah, you know, actually, one more thing, too, before we'll get to your next list, too. Roman, to me, as far as the promo part goes, he's a guy that got better once he came back as a heel, and he was with Paul, and you could almost immediately see they were letting him cut loose, and his promos weren't as strict, and he could kind of ad-lib, and now that we only get him a little bit, too, I feel like his promos are even going to take it up another even notch now. Not only that, but with Triple H in charge now, he might even have less reins on him, no pun intended, yeah. so he might actually have even better promos with even more freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious to see what we end up getting out of Roman Reigns in the future. I've got Jonathan Meisner. He's also from the Mothership Facebook group, and we love the support. By the way, we joke around about it, but we love the support that we get from the Mothership Facebook group. We really appreciate you guys sending your lists every week, even though I mock your names and tease you. (laughs) Thank you for putting it in there. He's got Bret Hart who is definitely on our list. Okada was from the last one before that. And then we've also got CM Punk, 
We've got The Rock, who I feel might show up a lot, even though people always think that's going to happen. Goldberg in his prime, not the Goldberg who we've seen him wrestle already. And yeah. then Kurt Angle, who's a good one. Kurt Angle's a really good one. I did not tell you to look out for him. I'm surprised more people don't have him. We'll see. We'll keep an eye out. I got Tyler Chief. Real quick, Dave, I want to say something because he said Goldberg in his prime. And I got to say something. I'm not sure that Goldberg in his prime is actually better than the Goldberg that we've actually seen here. Right. I actually have enjoyed this run with Goldberg yeah. more than I enjoyed Goldberg in his prime. So while he was a hell of an athlete in his prime, yeah. I'm not sure his matches. I feel like he was a little bit more reckless early on in his career, and I'm not sure that it would be better than the Goldberg reigns that we get now. And for anyone that comments and catches this for any reason, if people are going to bring up that Undertaker match in Saudi Arabia – Undertaker got a concussion. We're kind of not really counting that. We're saying for the most part, his body of work is... Well, Goldberg knocked himself the hell out in that match. Yeah, he knocked himself uh, out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is not the first time he's done that. He actually did that in a match in his prime versus DDP. So if you're going to hold that against him here, he did it to himself when he was supposedly in his prime also. Absolutely. We got Tyler Schieffer here, Working Fans Podcast, Nation of Domination Facebook group. He's got Kento Kabashi, Mike Awesome, Diesel, World Champ Era Scott Steiner, and last but not least, The Rock. So all really good guys. One thing I noticed about this list too is we're not going to have like a ton of one person. Maybe The Rock. I don't know. But I mean, for the most part, it's like, I think that's interesting about Roman. I think with some of these other people, like we just know, like, oh man, we wish Punk could have wrestled Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or, you know, this. But with Roman, because of his style, I think it's a little more unique. Like, you know, he's got, like I would call like a big match style. You know, I like the Mike Awesome one. The problem good. with him wrestling Mike Awesome is I don't know if he's going to take the bumps that it would require to actually wrestle Mike Awesome. Not many people would want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Awesome had his best run in Japan and in ECW. I don't think anyone in WWE or even WCW for the most and, part. And let's be clear. His run in Japan was not in the new Japan that you see now. His no. run in Japan was with FMW. If you're not familiar with FMW, check it out. You're not going to see the smooth, easygoing wrestling that you see in New Japan. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. Next one, buddy. So I've got Sonny Martinez. He's also from the Mothership Facebook group. And they've got The Rock. We've got RVD, mm. Taz, Kevin Nash, and Mr. Perfect. Interesting. Mr. Pick, actually. What was it? That's the second Nash pick, too. Maybe we should keep an eye on Kevin Nash there. Absolutely. Adam as Diesel, but that's, we know who that is. <laughs> An interesting one is the Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Mr. Perfect was a bumping machine mm -hmm. and would have sold his ass off for Roman Reigns. That would have been a hell of a match. I don't know if his style would have worked so well with Taz or with RVD, only because RVD can be such an eclectic style that sometimes he didn't look, his matches didn't end up looking good. Absolutely. No, he had a very, yes. The, uh, Rob didn't click with everybody. but yeah, And he, it's nothing against Rob Van Dam because when his yeah. style worked, one of the best athletes in the absolute world and absolutely phenomenal, and we're not knocking RVD, I just think that there might be a styles clash. All right, this is some interesting lists here. Ian Patrick McCord, Working Fans, Podcast Nation of Domination Facebook group. He's got Vader. I like that pick a lot. In yeah. fact, you keep an eye on that one. Stan Hansen. Dale Torberg, I'm not sure about that one, Pitbull number two, and here's one, because we almost got this, Adam Pierce. <laughs> wow, I, I can't believe he picked the Kiss Demon. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> Adam Pierce, but then he also had, like, Stan Hansen Invader. So his list was yeah, Stan Hansen Invader was a great pick. Dale Torberg, the Kiss Demon, I'm not really sure that that's going to make many lists. I don't think so, but overall, points for creativity. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I've got Brian Krieger from the Mothership Facebook group. He's got Shawn Michaels. Mm. He's got, let's see here, The Rock, CM Punk, Shield Stuff Don't Count. So much like myself, he remembered that CM Punk has wrestled Roman. And then he's got Gunther, who's an interesting one, and Braun Breaker. Absolutely. We could see that at some point. I didn't put ones that I think might happen relatively soon. Right. So I went a slightly different direction with I my list. I didn't put Cody Rhodes down, but I thought I could think of him because that could happen at some point. Yeah, but absolutely still good picks. I got John White. He's got Kenny Omega, Kurt Angle, who actually that might be Angle's second one too, Josh Alexander, Will Ospreay, Lex Luger, and I don't know if it's Jake doing this for the fans, but I hope it's the fans, Jake Rule. Hulk Hogan. Nice. Oh, by the way, speaking of Jake, his mom's favorite baby brother, Zach St. John, happy birthday today. I don't know if you're aware of this. It is Zach's birthday today. I just want to reach out personally from myself, even though Dave forgot, and wanted to tell you happy birthday today, Zach. Happy birthday, Zach. (laughs) I can't believe you knew that. (laughs) I am one of those people who likes to pay attention to the fans and really give back. So happy birthday to you, Mrs. St. John's favorite baby boy. All right, hit me with your next list, sir. (laughs) I've got Simon Baum. He has The Rock, who, by the way, has a commanding lead right now. I believe it. Braun Breaker, Cody Rhodes, Bobby Lashley, because we've never seen that. And then Ricochet, Kofi, or some significantly smaller underdog babyface that can make you believe in them. Something similar to what Lesnar and Brian did a few years ago at Survivor Series or what Ciampa and Lashley did on Raw last time. Be very enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure every person he's mentioned in that sentence, other than Ciampa, we've seen versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> well, let's see. I got another list right here. Let me go to this. I got Randy Osga, big fan of the show. He's got Bret Hart, Kenny Omega, Eddie Guerrero, Alexander Hammerstone, and Bruno San Martino. Randy Osga, way to bring it, man. You're bringing all kinds of different hairs there. Bruno, Bret Hart, Guerrero, Omega, and Hammerstone. <laughs> I'm not sure how he would have ever survived Bruno's bear hug. <laughs> Bruno just pick him up in a backbreaker. <laughs> ah. The problem is, is if Roman Reigns actually wrestled Bruno, you would see this difference between what was considered a large man in the 60s and 70s and what's considered a large man now. Because we don't think of Roman Reigns as being in that giant category, but he's six foot five and 280 pounds. I'm pretty sure that's bigger than Bruno ever was. Bruno might have come out at around that 300 pound mark, but he was maybe about five foot 11. But we've got Charles Dean booking the Territory Facebook group. He's got The Rock. He's got Stone Cold, who I'm surprised we've only seen once so far. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and once again, Goldberg in his prime. So apparently a lot of people remember Goldberg in his prime differently than I do. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Savage was a good pick on that one. Savage had great matches with everybody. So I find it hard to believe that him and Roman would not have. I don't know how well Roman would have done with Randy needing to script out every second of every match. Right. But (laughs) that might have been an interesting phenomenon. Alec Lorenzo has Mox. Gunther, Pete Dunn, Gargano, and Ciampa. Ciampa. Those are all good picks. I want to point out, this man has said he's decided to agree and go with the name Gunther, but he will not call Pete Dunn Butch. (laughs) Yes. In fairness, calling Pete Dunn Butch is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're you're just describing him. Yeah, that man's Butch. (laughs) He's accepted Gunther, but he's like, you know what? I'm drawing a line at Butch. (laughs) Good for him. 
Anthony Tate, also from the Book in the Territory Facebook group. We've got Ricky Steamboat, which would be a great match with anyone. Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes. We've got Bret Hart. Yes. And Shawn Michaels. Oh, both of those guys are going to be added on that list. All right. You got Anthony Tate. Well, I got Anthony Laterra. He's got Kenny Omega, who I believe has now been on it a few times. Wardlow, MJF, Darby Allen, and Jungle Boy. But he's all about the AEW guys getting a shot with Roman. Very subtle about it, though. Then we, I've got Nate, don't call me Anthony Weems from Booking the Territory Facebook group. He's got The Rock. He's got Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Randy Savage, huh? Gold Dust. And then he's got one that's going to pop you a little bit. Nikita Koloff, former guest of the show. By the way, don't be afraid to go back in our archives and check out our interview with Nikita. It was fantastic. Working Fans Podcast, Nikita Koloff. That's right. We got Mike Flynn. He's got Roman versus The Rock, Roman versus Okada, Roman versus HBK, Roman versus Kenny Omega, and Roman versus Jacob Fatu. I'm going to be real interested to see how the number the rest of these votes back up yeah absolutely so it's down to just you and i we've we've exhausted all of our lists so i'm going to give people a little update real quick just so that they know where we're at before we actually go to ours so they don't think we're pulling shenanigans here <laughs> so we've got the rock with eight we've got omega with four hbk with three and then okada cm punk and Vader and Nash are all tied at two. Okay. I actually was, I, I blanked out for a second. I was looking at that, which is good. So this way I don't have to know if I'm going to affect this. So I'm just going to give Rock, you. Rock, Omega, and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels are tied for the top three. Well, my list, I'm just going to go that, is I got The Rock, Bret Hart, HBK, Vader, and then, this will be a little different here, Barry Windham. Hmm. Barry Windham in his prime would have been a hell of a match with Roman Reigns. Absolutely. And I'm glad you went first because you actually did a great list there. You pretty much had the list that you sent me to keep track of and then Barry Windham. So that was nice. (laughs) (laughs) I do not have The Rock because I believe that's going to happen. So I am different than other people there. I do, however, have Scott Hall. I think Scott Hall would have been a great matchup, especially in his Razor Ramon time period. He was athletic, basically about the same size, the two guys, both of them very good on the mic. And I think it would have been a great matchup. So I've got Scott Hall. I also have Barry Windham, so he's gonna he would actually tie for two with a lot of the list. I do not have CM Punk, but I do have Kenny Omega. Yeah, I do have HBK because I think that that would be a hell of a matchup in his prime. And then my last one is probably a little different than a lot of people, but I would have loved to have seen him versus Nick Bockwinkle. Because I think Nick Bockwinkle would have been an actual interesting matchup with him. Nick was very athletic, very good, and he was actually a hell of a heel and a hell of, hell of a face. So either way, it would have worked well with Roman Reigns. What is our tally? We've got The Rock, who took the lead with nine. Yeah. We've got Omega with five. He's yeah. actually tied now with HBK with five. So that's your actual top three right there. If Rock, you want and HBK. Rock, Omega, and HBK. Bret Hart was next with five. Four. Well, I'll go with the fans' votes, and we'll determine a top three from here. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, um, this week we're not going to go with the popular vote, though. I think, like you, The Rock's going to happen at some point. We'll put him at number three, and then let's talk about it. Kenny Omega, HBK, who would we rather see? 
So and let's talk about both of them in their primes, actually working yeah. their best. We're not ta- <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not talking about uh, dream match for HBK now. We're not talking even about Kenny Omega, whatever the hell we saw on Wednesday. We're talking about both of them in their primes, and you're talking about two of the best. Yeah, I like. I think Roman. I think Kenny's a little more physical, and he would bring that physicality with Roman. He could sell. He could do a lot of stuff. But I think at the end of the day, there's not a better big match player, a big match storyteller, and a seller. And yeah, I'm biased, probably from this era a little bit, but I would have to go with HBK. I think Sean also matches up a little bit better size wise. Yeah. Kenny Omega is a little bit smaller than Sean. He's thick, don't get me wrong, but he's a little bit smaller than Sean. And I think just the visual with Shawn Michaels and with their styles and how they match up, I would rather see Shawn Michaels. That's just me. All right, Shawn Michaels number one. He gets it this week. Omega two, The Rock three. And, and now Barry got- Windham with the Jake rule. <laughs> and now we got waiting in the wings. We're going to do a little Pro Wrestling Illustrated poll this week. We're going to have some questions from PWI. AJ, I don't think I prepared you for this, but... <laughs> I believe the segment's going to be called Producer Joe on a poll. (laughs) No, but the PWI 2022 (laughs) readers poll issue, I just got it in the mail and I wanted to go over it with you because some of this thing is fucking goofy. And then part of it is I just want to see what you guys would pick. So who is pound for pound the best wrestler in the world? That's question number one. You want to go first, Dave? Go ahead. Brian Davis. All right. Who do you got, AJ? Daniel Garcia. (laughs) Well, AJ Styles received 11%. Kazuchika Okada got 9%. Uh, Brian Danielson got 8%. uh, And others got 72%. Making up other vote getters is CM Punk, John Moxley, and Sasha Banks. So already we've got like a Wikipedia level of. (laughs) <laughs> you know, integrity in this poll. I would like to say that for those people who voted for AJ Styles, I love AJ Styles. I've been a fan of AJ Styles back to TNA. I think that he's one of the best. He is nowhere near the level of Brian Danielson at this point in his career. That's yeah, just my opinion. Name, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't start wrestling five years before him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's- Styles. <laughs> Randy Osga, AJ Styles, AJ Strange Brew. Now, question number two. If you could watch the matches of only one wrestler, whom would you choose? Okay, once again, Brian Danielson. <laughs> He's the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the world, in my opinion. He's the one guy, if I only could watch nowadays, it would be him. Now, we're talking now, obviously. Yeah, you can- yeah. Like Terry Funk, Bret Hart. So I might oh, no, a- this is 2022 Reader's Poll. So, like, the last year. So, yeah, Brian Danielson, to me, I would say since that epic run he had in WWE for the title, and obviously probably even going before that, has been one of the best in the world. I mean, you got a few guys, AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels, and stuff like that, Samoa Joe. You could have argued different years, but right now... I would say in-ring work level-wise, you look at the matches he's having with Garcia. Garcia's great, but I contribute attribute most of that to Brian Danielson because he's just on another level. Now, who do you got, AJ? I actually agree with Dave here, Brian Danielson, but I have to give you guys a little backstage info here. Dave, right before we went on, told me that if he could watch one wrestler at all from this period right now, that it would be Hook. So I don't know why he's saying <laughs> Brian Danielson. I don't get it, I but will, I'm going Brian Danielson. I'll, throw, I'll tell you what. I will throw another name out there just to be a little different. I had to pick one. I hate saying his current name, but Gunther slash Walter. Yeah. 
brings something different to the table. He's a next level physical, and I'm just a fan of a lot of that stuff going on. I actually feel zim- uh, f- very similar about Dragunov. It's very hard for me not to say Dragunov, but he is hurt right now, so I don't want to say that. AJ Styles got 8%. John oh, Moxley got 7%. Brian Danielson got 4%. Others got 81%. And other vote getters being Jeff Hardy, Kenny Omega, and Zack Sabre Jr. Jeff yeah, Hardy. So- People, people, <laughs> they mentioned Jeff Hardy. The guy looks like he's going to die every time he does a swanton now. He has got the wrestling ability that's a little less than his brother at this point. My God, people. Well, here's the last real question where the number is out of whack. So who would you say is pro wrestling's greatest striker slash brawler? Well, I think greatest brawler right now, I'd probably go with John Moxley just because of all the different promotions and stuff. We've seen him do the death matches. We've seen him have just an old school brawl. He seems to really fit. He can run. I like, I think of wild crazy matches I, in today's age at a big time level. I don't even know if there's anyone else doing it like John Moxley at that level. See, you went with the brawler aspect of it my problem is is the question itself was brawler striker to me they're two separate things you can be a striker and not be a brawler if you're going striker for me it's brian danielson if you're going brawler i agree that it's john moxley all right well john moxley got 14 percent of the votes brock lesnar got seven percent oscar got five percent and others totaled 74 percent in others you had gunther brian danielson and tomohiro ishii i just want to say like a guy like brock to me, I don't think, like, yeah, you can call it brawling a little bit, but to me, Brock is more of like a power wrestler. He's going to throw yeah. you around. He's going to lift you up in the air. I, I consider brawling a little bit more punchy. It's maybe not completely strikes, but, you know, you're going to be, it's going to be a little bit more wild. Effect. Well, that and Asuka's wrestled like five matches this year. So, yeah, <laughs> great call. Question number four, a little more straightforward. Who is pro wrestling's greatest aerialist right now? So who's your favorite high flyer? Probably different. I said my favorite, but I guess the best when I think of people doing things that are so crazy, it's got to be Ray Phoenix, I would think, you know? But if you're talking about a guy, too, who looks very impactful, maybe AJ's going to kind of lean towards this. I'll just throw another name out there. I'll go with Pac. Because I think Pac, when he hits that splash and everything like that, he looks like he's murdering people. He's obviously not. He obviously takes care of the guys he's in the ring with, but it looks very impactful. But I'll go with Ray Phoenix. So I'm actually going to go with Sammy Guevara. I think Sammy Guevara is absolutely incredible what he can do high flying. He is really good at protecting people, but he also does crazy shit off cages. The guy's absolutely insane. One to watch out for for the future, Dante Martin. This kid's got unlimited ability. I want to throw something out too about your Sammy Guevara pick in particular. One thing I do like about Sammy, I didn't think about him, but when Sammy hits an aerial move, it looks like the guy's actually floating. It looks very easy to him and he makes it look easy. So that's impressive. He also, to me, he sells it afterwards too. Sammy Guevara does similar to what Rob Van Dam used to do, where he hits it with the impact and then sells the fact that he hits you hard enough that it hurts him also. Ray Phoenix got 30% of the vote. Ricochet got 22%. Ray Mysterio got six. Dante Martin got six and others got 36. So at least the numbers are a little bit better distributed now when you've got others. And in the other vote getters is Sammy Guevara, Io Shirai, and Montez Ford. I want to say something about Ricochet real quick because I I know I responded with, I didn't respond with that because of Ricochet's ability. Ricochet's got all the ability in the world. He's absolutely fantastic in the ring. But you talk about somebody who's been misused by the 
WWE and who having a new regime hopefully will really help. Ricochet is the one. The same thing because the way he's been booked previously, and again, hopefully things will be different now, but the ways he was an afterthought, which I can't believe it. Like that makes me sad to think that Ricochet is a fucking afterthought. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. I think what's interesting about this poll is the answers that PWI in particular is getting. Question number five, who is pro wrestling's greatest powerhouse? Brock Lesnar. To me, he's the guy that still threw Big Show around, the guys that threw Mark Henry around, f 5 him. You know, you, if you're talking about new guys on the come up, Powerhouse Hobbs immediately jumps to mind. Uh, I mean, his you, name is Powerhouse Hobbs. Literally is, yeah. Warlord. <laughs> if Warlord can powerbomb. Satnam Singh. Yeah, then I keep wanting to say one in a billion. Satnam <laughs> Singh, then. Yeah, that'd be pretty impressive. But yeah, to me, Brock is still, as long as he's in the business right now, he's the power guy. Just never forget, even though he doesn't look like the rest of those guys, never forget about Cesaro. Mm, It's a great pick. That is a good one now. Obviously, Brock got 16%. Wardlow got 12%. Roman Reigns got 9%. Keith Lee got 8%. And others got 55 Other vote-getters being Bobby Lashley, Powerhouse Hobbs, Mm. and Big E. Almost every person on that list I consider more of a powerhouse wrestler than Roman Reigns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I like Roman. He's explosive, but I don't think of him in that upper echelon of like the power guys out there. Question number six. This is a question close to everybody's heart. Who is pro wrestling's greatest technician slash mat wrestler? Why don't you get first? Can we include sports entertainers? <laughs> yes, you can. Now, I think currently it's either got to be, and this is a tough one for me, it's either Brian Danielson or Daniel Garcia, but I'm going to go with Daniel Garcia. I love what he does on the mat. Actually, I'll tell you what, I bet you another name you didn't think of too that popped in my head, Zack Sabre Jr. That would have been a good yeah. one. Josh Alexander's on my head also. Claudio would yeah. be good. I mean, we love all those guys. It's just what I saw from Daniel Garcia, and maybe it's just because of what we saw this week. Right. What right. I saw from Daniel Garcia this week, it's hard to put anybody above him on the mat. I'm going to go Brian Davidson, though. That would be my favorite. I, th- I think what we see, too, with Garcia is the potential. Not only do we see where he's at, but where he could go, because look at what he's learned in such a short amount of time. And what is he, 23 years old? It's incredible. So Brian Danielson got 55% of the votes. Zach Sabre Jr. got 12% of the votes. Jonathan Gresham got 5% uh, yeah. of the votes. Others got total 28% being Serena Deeb, Kyle mm. O'Reilly, and Deanna Perrazzo. You know what's yeah. is perception versus reality. Because me and AJ and you, Joe, we've all watched wrestling a ton. We consider ourselves probably pretty knowledgeable fans. But sometimes it's just the way people are booked, which they have no control over. You tend to forget about them. Jonathan yeah, absolutely. Has been out over the last few weeks and stuff like that. Out of my mind. Did not pop in my head. But he's probably one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. You know, same thing with Deanna Parazzo. She's stuffed into a tag team right now with Chelsea Green. So you're not seeing her in that singles run. And then as much as we love Serena Deeb, she spends more time on Rampage than she does on Dynamite. Yeah, now question seven. Who's pro wrestling's greatest baby face at the moment? Greatest baby face, huh? Wow. All right. That's not going to be Brian Danielson. Man, oh, man. I'm trying to think. So a better pure baby face than Tyler Bates. Tyler Bates a good one. I'm sure he didn't get a lot of votes, but I, I like him because he's always just waving to the crowd. Purely nice. Yeah, interesting. I mean, right now you've got ones that are just pure baby faces. Like Jungle Boy is a pure baby face right now. To me, he stumbled a little bit this week, but he is a pure baby face and people want to cheer for him. Another one who's a pure baby face right now, even though he had a little bit of an edge this week, has been Drew McIntyre. Yeah, Bianca Belair. She's another one. I've never. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I guess I really don't know who to pick. I, I just like I, I don't think there is not really many, like, old school. Like when I think of like the Von Erics, you know, like when it was like Kevin talk about this is decency versus filth. Like I don't see. I, you know what? I, before CM Punk went off on him this week, Hangman Page could have been that baby face. That would be a good one right there. I'll go Hangman Page. Well, the answers they gave: Cody Rhodes got twenty five percent, CM Punk got fifteen percent, John Cena got seven percent. Interesting. <laughs> Adam Page got 7%. There you go. Others got 46%. Other vote getters being Bianca Belair, Drew McIntyre, and Mayu Iwatani, obviously. One of the yeah. best baby faces I've seen in recent years, like they did turn her heel at one point. I thought for a while it was Kylie Sane. There's something about the Japanese Yoshi Pro Girls, too where they look like they're almost crying. They look like they're in danger. And like, I've always well, kind of- she also weighs 87 pounds. Maybe that helps. I don't know. But it I've- does help. When when you believe everybody across the ring from you might kill this person, it helps. It's helped Rey Mysterio. I mean, it's hard not to have Rey Mysterio as a baby face when you believe that every person across the ring from him might kill him. I don't that think. was an easier question. Or no, that was a little harder to pick. Now an easy one. Question eight, who's pro wrestling's greatest heel? I mean, MJF's the best heel I've seen in the last like several years. Roman Reigns is pretty damn good right now. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. How do you not? Yeah, Roman Reigns. I mean, if you look at what he's booked to, and if, obviously we're kind of wrestlers. Paul Heyman. (laughs) This one was pretty cut and dry. MJF got 48%. Roman Reigns got 18%. And 34% went to others being Jay White, Chris Jericho, Seth Rollins. I think Jay White's underrated. I think Jay White's a hell of a heel. There's such a difference, though, between that one-two spot and then who's maybe the third best heel because Roman and MJF are just running away with it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people at the end of the day, the reason why MJF comes out on top is I think he's so good at staying into character all the time that no matter where you run into him, you believe he's genuinely an asshole. He's a little more Piper in the 80s in the sense the way he cuts you down and everything like that. Roman is the heel, but Roman is more of that. He doesn't talk as much, right? So he's like, I'm just a smug. I'm just that guy. I'm going to beat your ass. We're going to brag about it. we go home. Like MJF would say things they're like, holy shit. Did he just say that? That You know, he talked about Brian Pillman Jr.'s mom being on meth. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Although Christian's done a pretty good job of catching up to that level, talking about yeah. Jack Perry's dead father. Yeah. yeah, now, question nine. Who is the breakout star of WWE, regardless of brand affiliation? Braun Breaker. I disagree with that one. I think that they've tried to make Braun Breaker the breakout star. I think that they're trying really hard to make him the breakout star, but I, I'm not sure he's reached the level to be that breakout mm-hmm. yet. I think their breakout star, to be honest with you, currently is actually... Oh, God, why am I going stupid here for a second? Oh, shit. Montez it can't Ford. be that much of a breakout because I've gone blank. I was Here, literally talking really? about it right beforehand. No, it's not. It's actually... Oh, it's... Uh, no, there's still an NA. Gunther. I kept wanting to call him Walter, and I could not remember Gunther. Now, I don't consider him... Like, to me, I just think that guy's been around. I guess, if you look at he's new to the main roster, so... But I don't know that WWE fans... Right. I don't know that they know he's been around. Okay. So, when I'm playing Braun Breaker, I'm thinking of new guys to the scene as well. Braun has had very limited experience. So, coming from nowhere... Other than being Rick Steiner's son, he's obviously made the biggest impact recently. Now, if you're talking about guys who could, 
I mean, actually, especially now with Triple H in charge, too. Like, yeah, Gunther's definitely got to be a guy who could be in the main event scene in the next year. I mean, if you're talking about guys that literally are starting from nothing, then Cora Jade's in that conversation also. I think Cora Jade is starting to actually break through to that same level. And I think that they've done a good job of pushing her. If you're talking about people who have just broken through just to get to the next level, then I just think that that's a different conversation. You guys have brought up a lot of good names. Braun Breaker got 29% of the votes. Theory got 12%. Uh, and then others was 59%. Others being Carmelo Hayes, Cora Jade, eh? and Roxanne Perez. Roxanne Perez, yeah, the other one. Yeah. Now, guys, we got 50 questions on this list. So for today, we're going to cut it off at 10. Who is the next breakout star of AEW? I feel like we might have talked about this recently. Did talk about it. Now, are we considering people that we feel like just broke through? Because if you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said Daniel Garcia is breaking through. I think after that match this week, he's already broken through. Right. Yeah, I don't know when this list came out. They could have had like MJF, Jungle Boy. But right now, to me, the top current breakout star to just like it's just hitting on all cylinders as of last week it's Daniel Garcia yeah if we're not counting this past week and we're going for the future Ricky Starks is on fire right now also well Wardlow got 21% of the votes Dante Martin got 9% Hook got 9% and others got 61% others being Jungle Boy Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia. See, my problem is is a couple of those I consider having already broken through. Yeah. Like Wardlow. We will pick this up again next week. And before we get to the news, let's hit what we want to do next week so I can yeah, start getting right. this out on social media. <laughs> I'll sit yeah. in for the news because wrestling news has been wild the last month or so. Right. And we had some requests. So Seth Rollins, though, for 531 next week. And I'll even give you the night the week Three after. Three matches? Three matches. So this has been a theme in case nobody's figured it out. Today with top five Roman Reigns dream matches. Next week is Seth Rollins. The week after that, John Moxley. So Ooh, that's good. I think the biggest news of the weekend, former guest of the show, George South is taking on Effie tonight for GCW. I don't know how this thing's going to go down. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Are you guys as excited for this match as I am? How could you not be? (laughs) If my telegraph was working, I would send George South a message of support. I was so excited. I messaged Dave about it when I got in from work this morning. (laughs) I actually love both these guys. My God, I just hope they both get over. (laughs) He's the best. So we had a fan ask us, particularly Randy Oscar. He wanted our take on what's going on with, uh, with. Where is Randy? I haven't seen any comments. I haven't oh, seen no, any. We're going to be on at 12. Randy, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> we're going to answer the man's question, and he's not even in the room. Yeah, and he so. wants what we think is going on with Punk and Hangman. He actually had an interesting theory. He's thinking as of today that maybe with Warlow and FTR talking about the pinnacle. Maybe MJF comes back to lead them as a babyface, and MJF will end up being a babyface against CM Punk. Now, I'll just say, obviously, we don't know what's going on, what's real, but apparently everybody's reporting that... You mean we're not in the writer's room? (laughs) We were not in the writer's room for Booker meeting. We tried to get in. (laughs) Uh, What was that famous thing Paul Heyman said to Dusty Rhodes when he snuck in like the production meeting, and Dusty's like... What are you doing here, baby? He's like, I'm just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Dusty's like, but this is a production meeting. And Paul's like, well, I'm learning from you. And Dusty's like, well, you learn it from the best, baby. Go sit down there and take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Always go for the ego. Here's my take on it. How do you call someone out yeah. who's not storyline scheduled to come out? Right. <laughs> Paige is back there going, am I supposed to come out? <laughs> He's like, you're not. Did I miss something? 
baby faces in the company. You call him a coward. <laughs> and then, you know, so if that's all true and they don't have a better storyline for this and he just did that on his own, no, that would obviously be wrong. Because at the end of the day, like me and you and maybe Joe, we don't, like, we're like, well, that was, we just probably, that's fucking weird, you know? But what about for the little kids out there who, you know, are believing in this guy as a hero and a baby face and expecting him to come and fight and he doesn't? I feel like Terry Funk here, but they're looking at like their dad, like, daddy, is he a coward, daddy? Is he a coward? Not only that, but you're in Charleston, West Virginia, which is the ugly cousin of his home state, right next door. Literally, you're in Hangman's backyard and calling him out when he can't come out. I've been got hate mail over those butterfly pants, and he's like, all right, we're not bringing it to West Virginia. I'll lay low this week. <laughs> he should get hang- hate mail for those butterfly pants. Hangman's leg-sucking dog. Hopefully they turn it into money. Hopefully this comes, you know, something turns out of this, and it's good. It got people talking. The bigger news to me, too, that most people aren't talking about that I'm interested in, we're getting Mockley and Punk next week, which I'm excited about, but also, what the fuck? What's the all-out main event now? Like, now- what? match could have been bigger than Moxley and Punk. Maybe, and this is just a maybe, at the end of the match CM Punk wins next week. Out comes Hangman Page at that point to charge CM Punk. Like, what the hell were you doing? What is going on here? And maybe they're setting up for the rematch there at All Out. Maybe. But But that's still not bigger than Moxley and Punk at All Out. I'm hoping MJF Punk at All Out. I just feel like Mox has been built up so hot lately that he's been on such a good role that this was the match to me. I'm going to throw this out there too real quick before we get out of here. And People are probably going to hate on this, but whatever. I just want to say now, I'm not talking about the actual pay-per-view. When it comes time, AEW always delivers. They have some of the greatest matches. WWE is turning the corner, but we're not getting dynamite-level shows, but we're getting some consistent shows of good shows. But in terms of build, in terms of setting down the matches, WWE's done a better job with Clash of the Castle. Like They've laid out like four or five matches for their card, and they've been built over several weeks or a month. I don't really know. (laughs) we got a six-man match. we got a trios tournament championship match. Main event? Well, we do have Jungle Boy and Christian, hopefully, at All Out also, even though Christian said no. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) But but that's it. We can't get out of here today without talking about Kazuchika Okada winning the G1, going on to Wrestle Kingdom, where it's going to be one night this year. Did you think after going to the two nights of pay-per-views, they would ever go back to one? I personally love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's better to do these things in one night. And I will say, like, during the pandemic, I didn't mind the two nights for WrestleMania because it was a great way when you had all those empty arenas to space things out. Now I'd like to go back to one night, although since WWE has done, like, their biggest (laughs) on sale in the history of WrestleMania, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. But, yeah, I'm I'm happy the G1. Well, I'm happy that with Wrestle Kingdom will be going to one night this year. I think generally less is more. Yeah. I love that Okada went over. Like he told me, you know, I was emailing him back and forth. He told me ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. I am excited that it's going back to one night. I think two nights waters down the product too much. And I think that WWE going to two nights probably showed New New Japan Pro Wrestling how much it waters it down. One other thing before we get out of here, too, actually, one last thing. NXT UK, shutting down. We're going to have NXT Europe, and we've released a bunch of wrestlers in the meantime. 12. Yeah, 12 wrestlers were released yesterday. We have a Worlds Collide event that's going to be happening on the afternoon of All Out 
which looks like it's going to be the remaining NXT UK champions versus some of the NXT 2.0 champions. So we get Tyler Bate and Braun Breaker. I imagine, yeah, we'll have a tag title match. And I'm guessing Mako Stadamora will be defending the women's title. Mandy Rose. Oh, my God. Mandy Rose. Oh, I what I guess this girl. She should not be beating Mako Stadamora. He's, he's laughing because I would not want to normally be that insulting, but that hit my head. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's probably what they'll do. Fuck that. It, I know. It's almost like somehow Kane got pick the number one mass wrestler or something. <laughs> okay first of all kane is the greatest luchador of all time <laughs> secondly mandy rose is getting finally what she deserves dave <laughs> kane looks like he has an english only policy yes yes he probably does he is from tennessee however i am looking forward to one match tyler Bate versus braun breaker yeah. talk about braun breaker in his matches has always been the powerhouse i'm not sure he's stronger than tyler Bate. well they set up Gallus versus Brooks and Jensen there this week. So they'll That's probably a tag match. They'll get the UK I, tag. I love Gallus. And then I'm guessing Gallus will probably get it, and they'll probably wrestle the Creed brothers for the unification. But we didn't see Mako Sutton. We saw the former Breed Priestley, Blair Davenport now. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see what they end up doing with the title. But either way, we got Clash of the Castle on that Saturday. You got this World Collide event on Sunday. And then later on in the day, we get All Out. So that looks like one of the best weeks of wrestling in a long time, considering you're going to get a live Dynamite and a live Rampage, too. I think Sakamura, they told her what was planned with Mandy Rose, and she just looked at him and went, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Not even in Japanese, just in straight English, just fuck no. For the rest of this episode, if you're going to be listening audio-wise, we're going to be bringing you an interview that Dave did a couple days ago with wrestler Spencer Slade. You saw him a couple weeks ago on Raw. I found it interesting listening his path to getting to WWE and how it's 50% hard work and then 50% just chance. Yeah. Or, you know, there's a certain amount of chance in there. Yeah. And speaking of chance, if you haven't read the book, Lance by Chance, I mean, you should check that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. I actually am about a quarter of the way through Brian Gewertz's book that just came out Tuesday. It is a very interesting take. Is is it called How I Clung On to the Rock for 20 Years? Oh, no. I oh. can't remember the name <laughs> of the book now. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I was hoping to have it here in the... One thing. There's just one problem. The tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in WWE. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. He borrowed that. Somebody had a list. He's like, somehow I got seventh and Triple H was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to hear his path through the WWE. We get it. You know, Robert Karpolis was an example on our show of somebody who was in that system. Brian mm-hmm. Solomon to a different degree. And everybody's experience is different. And it's just interesting to hear how they got there. Yeah. There's like a story I heard recently he shares where he talked about he showed up and talking to Tom Pritchard and Tom said, oh, you're a writer. You should be sitting there. And he had pointed him to like the head chair, which nobody's supposed to sit in but Vince. And then they go on to have the meeting and Vince doesn't even introduce him. And he's all dressed up like in his regular clothes. And he's like, people are just staring at me. Like Vince doesn't even like Vince just goes immediately into the segments. And like people must have thought I was a fan and won a contest. Well, he also admits that he's got like an anxiety and he's not the type of person to introduce himself to people so that added to a lot of his problems early on in wwe gotta shake the hands in the room buddy imagine i mean we've all been in that awkward moment where you're meeting somebody with their friends and you don't know their friends and you're waiting for the introduction because you don't want to be that asshole necessarily or you want to let everybody talk once in a while and then you're just sitting there like all right this motherfucker ain't gonna introduce me so you know i'll just say it now imagine though this is like your first day at work 
<laughs> with WWE and it's Vince McMahon. Like how I mean, right? we went through that at Pistol Pete's to a small degree. There was a lot of people shaking our hands. Oh, yeah. After a while, I was like, there was like two people that we shook their hands, and I'm like, do we gotta start asking like who these people are? Like yeah. those two people definitely could be a part of the crew. I think this is just a drunk guy in the parking lot right now. <laughs> But there is that protocol, and we. First saw of all, I told man. you that guy was not just a drunk guy. That was Manny Fernandez. I don't know why you keep that putting him down. No, raging bull, that on my me. friend. He knows where Pistol Pete is. He's like, <laughs> I will hunt you down, and I will find you. <laughs> all right, guys. I think it's time we get out of here, huh? Yeah. So next week we'll be coming at you with five, three, one. Seth Rollins dream matches. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, Four Eight Two Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We are live with the Working Fans Podcast. It's the man called Dave. And today, we got a gentleman here. He's been wrestling for about five years. You might have seen him in promotions like Northeast Wrestling, Ohio Valley Wrestling. He's worked AEW Dark before. And just recently, no offense, Rob Van Dam, maybe Mr. Monday Night. He's been on Monday Night Raw. Ladies and gentlemen, the submission specialist, Spencer Slade. How you doing, man? I appreciate that, but I'm ready to rock and roll. I love it, man. Exciting time to get that, you know, uh, opportunity to be on Raw. But why don't we break this down a little bit? We'll take people from the beginning a little bit here. You have an athletic background, too, before you got into pro wrestling. Like, what was some of your athletic background? Absolutely. So, I mean, I've I played sports my entire life. Football been the longest. I'm, I've done football, basketball, baseball, every sport you name. And then football was where I got the uh, scholarships at. I played D2 football at Shaw University around North Carolina. I was an All-American there. Had the opportunity to try out for some Canadian Football League teams. And then after that, I got right into pro wrestling. And I feel like athletics has helped me a lot in pro wrestling, especially football. Because like me, man, I like to slam and hit people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. And I mean, it lends to your style too. Explosive. Yeah, explosive. I like to also too, you know, I've, I've, I've like on the side, I've done a little bit of wrestling here or there. So I like to incorporate, you know, some, some wrestling in there. A lot of our technical wrestling, like chain wrestling submissions. That's my kind of stuff. Cause I know how to do that very well, but that's why I like to incorporate that in my style. Were you a pro wrestling fan before though? Like early on? Like how oh, long? Been- I, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've been watching wrestling religiously since I discovered it when I was eight years old. I've never missed a Raw SmackDown or pay-per-view since. I've always known since I was a little kid that I want to be a, a pro wrestler. I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was, wanted to train to be a wrestler when I was about 16 or 17, but they told me, you know, hey, you need to go to college first and, you know, get your degree and play football first. Then you can, you know, do what you want to do. But I've wanted to be a wrestler since I was eight years old. Wow. Who were some of your favorites? So actually growing up, my favorites are two guys, Randy Orton and Kurt Angle. 
angle. The first wrestling match that I watched as a kid, I remember, was our WrestleMania 19, 2003. Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar was the main event. And that's what made me want to be a wrestler. I remember watching Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, two guys that just looked like badasses going in there and having a, having a wrestling match. That was the moment right there. Oh, uh, yeah. You can't pick too many better people than that right there to watch. I mean, or a little smoother, I would say. But, I mean, Kurt the Machine, Brock about <laughs> just a freak. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then that's that's who I liked growing up as a kid. And then as I started to get a little bit older towards, like, the mid-2000s to, you know, the late 2000s or in 2010s, it was Randy Orton. He was my guy. I mean, I, I mean, I idolized Randy Orton as a kid. I mean, I thought he was the coolest, most badass guy in the world. I remember I had every single, like, Randy Orton T-shirt that came out. I would like, I would always RKO my friends in school. I would walk down the hallways like Randy Orton would down to the entrance because that was my dude. I loved Randy Orton. Now, before we get into breaking the rig, too, I just want to say, too, we touched on your athletic background. You're a big fan, but you know, you're a pretty smart guy. I saw some of your credentials here. You have like what? Uh, master's degree and is it business correct me here yeah so i have uh i have two degrees i have my bachelor's in accounting and i have a master's degree in business administration mba so i'm a little more educated than your typical professional wrestler <laughs> i've always been somebody that wanted to push themselves in all aspects of life you know i want to be a successful athlete uh, successful in school just pushing yourself you know to be the best uh, person player and wrestler that you can be yeah, no, absolutely. I think that just shows that you're driven. And hey, who knows? I mean, more layers to this man right here, right? As a pro wrestler, I mean, you could be that athletic guy, or maybe someday, maybe you're going to be that guy. Yeah, he's the smartest guy in the room. You know what I mean? You could absolutely. I mean, I think it would be pretty cool if you had a guy like you know, you know, Triple H might need somebody down the line twenty years from now to help him, you know, run wrestling. Well, I'll, I'll be an accomplished wrestler by then. Maybe I can put those degrees to use in the wrestling business. You know, when I'm like sixty or 70 years old when I can't lace the boost up anymore. I love it, man. So how did you break into this business? Who did you, who trained you and what was the beginning like here? Great question. So I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I went to the um, IWC wrestling school uh, in Pittsburgh, PA. I was trained by a gentleman named Chris LaRusso, who's been a uh, fixture amongst the indie scene here. He was on Ring of Honor. This is the same school that Elias from the WWE's been to, Britt Baker, Wardlow, and IW or an AEW. Yep. Yeah. So I trained there. My first time stepping in the ring was literally like a couple months after I stopped playing football. It's been an adventure and a journey ever since. You know, I'm curious, you know, just talking to you, seeing how driven you are and some of the things you do. My guess is at this point in your career, too, you're still constantly probably doing things to get better. Obviously, the main thing I would think is, you know, just picking up dates and reps. What are some of the things, you know, we may not know? What are some things you do, you, you know, maybe to try to elevate your game? That's a great, great question. So I pretty much do everything that I think the top guys in like WWE or AEW do. I mean, I'm always constantly every single day. I'm always watching matches, whether it's on Peacock, YouTube. On top of wrestling every weekend, I always go down to the training ring to get my cardio in, work on basic things. Most importantly, just be a student in the game. You know, I'm always dieting. I'm always in the gym five, six days a week. Like I try to treat this like a full-time job, even though right now it isn't. It, it, that's the goal to, to make it a full-time job, but I pretty much dedicate my life to wrestling, you know, outside of my normal day-to-day, day-job stuff. Wrestling's my life. Um, it's what I dedicate my life to because it's my craft, and I'm trying to be the best that I can be at it. How was wrestling for a little while? Cause you've been doing this for five years. How was it in the pandemic? And I believe at that point, too, you did end up doing some stuff with AEW around that yeah. time, too. 
obviously the pandemic sucked. <laughs> I think it did for everybody. So the pandemic was a little, a little bit strange because prior to the pandemic, I was actually getting ready to prepare for a WB tryout that I was supposed to have in March, but the pandemic stopped that because everything shut down that March of 2020. So during the pandemic, wrestling didn't pick up till about that summer. And obviously it was shows in front of 10 or 20% capacity. I was only wrestling maybe once or twice a month, but I still would go down to the training facility that we have here and still have practice matches or do my cardio. It was a little bit different, but you know, when you love wrestling so much and uh, you'll find a way to get through stuff like that. Absolutely. In that time too, like I said, you end up on AEW. How does that appearance even come about like during the pandemic? Does somebody mention question. So we did a show, our 20th anniversary show for IWC, and I was wrestling a submission match. I wrestled against a kid who's in AEW now named Cole Carter. He was Troy Donovan and now did WWE for a couple months or NXT. And Britt Baker and Wardlow just happened to come back to that show, and they were very, very impressed with that match. And they sent our stuff to Tony Khan and I think a guy named QT Marshall in AEW. And about literally like a week later, they told us, hey, come down to Jacksonville and come wrestle on dark. It happened. It literally happened a week later. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Take advantage of these opportunities, I imagine. Yeah, and it's crazy because like that was my first time, you know, doing like a trial match for AEW and it happened that my first time going down there, my first match in AEW elevation, dark elevation was against Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I got to wrestle who the former AEW champion didn't go in my favor, but that's okay. You know, there there could always possibly be another time down the line where him and I step in a ring. But yeah, it was a good experience. I'm very, very grateful for that. You know, you got called up to WWE Raw recently. How did that appearance come out? And also, so same thing. How did that appearance come about? And also like, how excited are you now at this moment, you know, to be where, you know, Triple H is in charge. And you get, you get to be on one of the very first episodes. This is another crazy story here. So like back in 2010, this was, I mean, this is when I was probably in like middle school. And I was just, do you remember like all the WWE superstars would have like Facebook accounts, mm-hmm. but like they weren't really ran by them. They were ran by like, you know, their social media people. So I messaged like every WWE superstar, every referee on Raw, asking them, how do I be a wrestler? How do I be a WWE superstar? And you would never imagine, but like 12 years later, this is about six months ago, one of the referees from WWE, he's the head ref there, his name's Rod Zapata. He actually finally opened up one of my spam messages like 12, 12 years later. And he called me on the phone just to say, wow, you actually chased your dream and I want to help you out. So he put me in contact with a guy named Kenny Dykstra, mm-hmm. to be in the Spirit Squad. He pretty much runs like a, like I bring people in on the indies. And I sent my stuff to him and he invited me to the wrong Cleveland, which was last Monday. And that was my first time ever coming backstage with WWE should be part of the show. And when I got there, they told me, hey, you and somebody else are going to be wrestling Omos. And my first time ever going backstage to WWE show, I'm already in a match. So that's how that happened. That's crazy. That is insane. (laughs) That's super cool, man. Yeah, it's super cool that like all that effort and everything you did many years ago now comes off and rewards you. Yeah, I mean, I always knew that I would 
I always knew, like, even though I'm not signed right now, which is the goal, which was probably going to happen soon, but I always knew that I would get to the WWE just because I had that obsession within me to make it happen one way or another. You know, I was going to work my tail off and find a way to get there because when you want something that bad in life, you'll find a way to get it. And now that Triple H is in charge and that like more independent wrestlers like myself um, who should be signed because I mean I, I know I should be signed right now I know it's only a matter of time but I just know that if you know Triple H decides to take a chance on me it's gonna be the best damn decision he's ever made because he's gonna be hiring a guy that dedicates his whole entire life to being a WWE superstar and I can't wait to you know get down there to NXT um, so in the meantime you know me just staying ready and waiting for whenever that opportunity comes whatever opportunity comes you know I'm gonna take it and knock it out of the park have you had the opportunity yet to, I, maybe not because of the pandemic and everything too, but have you got to wrestle internationally any places? I have not. That's always a goal of mine to wrestle internationally. It would be cool. But right now, if that opportunity presents itself, absolutely, I would take advantage of it. But right now, you know, my sets are kind of set on trying to get to uh, NXT. That's uh, That used to be a dream as a kid, but now it's a goal. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I saw, too, going through some of your stuff, you've wrestled Josh Alexander before? Yeah, I wrestled Josh Alexander, and we built that match as the Battle of the Headgear. Um, the only two guys in pro wrestling that weigh headgear, myself and Josh Alexander. That match, we wrestled each other. It was exactly a year ago. It was over Memorial Day weekend, and it was an outdoor show. It was a very, very good submission match we did. Uh, he obviously got the upper hand on me, and it was we actually wrestled in the rain. It was like 45 degrees, a little bit rainy, but we still ran the show because that's what us pro wrestlers do. We still wrestle by any means necessary. Yeah, it was cool. The, the two guys that wear headgear wrestled each other. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I think that's some like a pretty elite company. Like, when you think of the guys that wore headgear, like I think Kurt Angle, Josh Alexander, and like Rick Steiner. I take it and I look at it kind of like a badge of honor. You know, obviously, you know, Kurt Angle's worn headgear because you know he was he, he was an amateur wrestler. Rick Steiner wore it for a little bit. I know Josh wears it because he doesn't want to get cauliflower ears. I wear the headgear because of my hearing aids. But I feel like that headgear kind of separates you a little bit because it puts that realness vibe on you when people mm -hmm. see that. Like, oh shit, okay, he must be real and legit. And that's kind of why I wrestle the way that I do. And even like me with my body that I have, my physique, I feel like the headgear just adds to it. And like I said, not many people wear it. In a, in a business like pro wrestling where you have to separate yourself and you have to find some way, the way you look, your mannerism, something to stand out, that's kind of what I do. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hitting the nail on the head, right? That that presentation, something a little exactly. different. Exactly. And I think, too, I think I've heard one of the wrestlers say in the past, I think this might have been William Regal as well, he would say sometimes he liked to make faces and stuff like that because he knew like when they make action figures, the kids would buy it. Stuff, something, little things like that to stand out. So, I mean, the headgear, right? You can already, already see it. You know, it'd go great on an action figure. Yeah, it you know, it's and that's kind of where I get my catchphrase, fear the gear. And also, too, when you go to a show, you know, most fans, I think, you know, Triple H had, had said it recently on Logan Paul's podcast. Some of us indie wrestlers, we kind of get so caught up in hitting all these big moves because we think that's what the fans want to see. In reality, what they want to see is the things that they're going to remember when they went home. Like, oh, my God, I did, you know, do you remember that guy that wore the headgear who did this or who did that? No, they're not going to go home thinking, oh, do you remember that guy that hit a cool Canadian destroyer, you know? Fans don't think that. You got to be memorable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the great matches. I mean, for me, I love the great matches. I'm, I love the bell to bell action. But it is that mo emotional connection, too, right? We do get invested in the person. 
Yeah, and that's why, like, when I am a heel, I always pick a couple people out of the crowd to mess with and get them involved because, I mean, nobody wants to watch a match where nobody interacts with the crowd. That's why the crowd is around the ring for a reason, you know? And and, and fans want to be part of the show. I mean, I've never met a fan in my life who does not want to be part of the show in any way, shape, or form. So if you can get the fans involved and get them reacting and clapping and cheering and booing or doing all that, then that's that's how you know you've done your job. I was talking to another independent wrestler recently, and he—he's the only one I've ever asked this to. But it's like when you're wrestling on the independent circuit, could you kind of almost equate it sometimes to like stand-up comedians when they're making those rounds in clubs? Like you're trying out new material sometimes, or you're honing the craft you already have. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. All these indie shows—it's just reps. It's just like you. It's just different shows you just learn and try stuff you know that way when you do get to the tippy top of this business you're like a WWE or top of AEW you've already tried stuff and experienced stuff at all these different shows and different crowds so you know what works and what doesn't work and that's see that's how you learn and grow as an independent wrestler is you just try stuff you know just try this move try this mannerism try this just remember the fans around you they'll tell you if it's good or not and that's the it's just like a stand-up comedian where they start at the local shows next thing you know they're playing at a big comedy club and then all of a sudden bam they they've made it nationwide it's the same way for an independent wrestler you know you start off at your bingo halls your rec centers then you go to like a, a little bit bigger shows then you get to the arenas you, you just keep making your name yeah absolutely i mean get your name out there meet the right people and also too i mean to a certain extent you always want to do well but if you're gonna mess up trying something probably better to do it on independent show than on monday night raw yeah exactly you don't want anybody to see that you messed anything up especially because and that's the hard thing about pro wrestling is i mean it's not like acting where where you get a second take once you go through that curtain you get one take to make that look good so if you are going to mess up i'd rather you know mess up in front of a show and 53 people versus being on national television absolutely but i mean you know it's funny i noticed recently it might have been even on the same show you were i gotta give her credit like one of the great pros, Bailey, like she messed up when she was saying her partner's name and she turned it around. She turned to me with the heel and she said, I know I messed up, you dummies. And she's going in on the fans. And I'm like, that's so brilliant. And so like people underrate that to do that with the pressure in that moment. Yeah, those are true professionals there like Bailey. That's why she's one of the best at what she does is because, you know, she knows how even if she messes something up, she knows how to spin it and turn it and look like and make it look like she did that on purpose. I love it. Just two more questions here. What was one of your favorite matches so far in your career? Man, that's a great question. So probably one of my favorite, like my favorite matches would probably, there's two that come to mind. There's a two out of three falls match that I had with a gentleman named Big Time Bill Collier that I think I had the best match of my career against. I had a number one contenders match against Cole Carter a year ago at her Cage Fury show that was fun. And then actually really, for me personally, what was the best match was when I wrestled Rhino back in May. And I beat Rhino, I cheated, and I beat him one, two, three with a ball shot. So anytime that somebody ever asked me, who did you ever beat? I tell them, well, I beat the ECW led Rhino. That's awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. Having a win over Rhino, that's pretty cool. That's like one of those moments if you're a fan growing up, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fan Spencer Slade was very happy that night. That's all I got to say. I barely survived Rhino, but I was able to get the W and... 
trust me, when I got that W, I made sure I got the heck out of that ring because I did not <laughs> want to eat a gore. I believe that. I mean, I think we already covered this, but I'll just ask one more time. Just some of your goals in professional wrestling. Great question. Obviously, my first goal was to get signed. That's my first goal, whether it's WWE, AEW, New Japan, Ring of Honor. First, first goal is obviously to get signed. And then obviously the second goal is to be the world champion. Main event, the pay-per-views, be the focal point, the attraction, what people pay to see. And thirdly is really just really be me, you know, just, just try to be a source of inspiration to people out there, people that think they can't accomplish something because they have this disability or they told this or that. If they can look at me and be like, man, if Spencer Slay can do it, I can do it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you got to realize that, you know, like uh, pro wrestling is very important to a lot of people and it can influence a lot of people positively. So as much as I like to be, you know, the, the, you know, the cocky flamboyant person, I always still make sure that there's people out there that, you know, rely on me and want to see me do well. So that would be the second thing. It's just, uh, or third thing, it's just, you know, being influential to people. Absolutely, man. That's really cool. Is there anything you want to promote coming up? I think you have a pro wrestling tease, any events? your social media absolutely so my merchandise if, if you would like to make the best decision of your life and wear one of my cool t-shirts all you gotta do is go to prowrestlingtees.com slash fear the gear you can check out my social media or our youtube page spencer slade where i have highlights promos and all of my matches up to date you can check me out on facebook at spencer slade you can check me at Twitter at Slade Wrestling. You can check me on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram at Slade Wrestling, Twitter at Slade Wrestler. And this Saturday at Imagine Wrestling, I'll be defending my World Heavyweight title against the Bosnian Bonebreaker, Tito Orge, in a no DQ match. And then the following, the end of the month, I will be wrestling a show again, defending my title, considering that I retain this Saturday. And then you never know, I could possibly be at SmackDown there in Detroit or in, in Monday Night Raw there in Pittsburgh. Um, I know I'll be kind of backstage just uh, hanging out, coming back in for an, another booking there. So busy for the rest of the month of August, but in a good way. Absolutely, man. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be busy sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Especially in wrestling where there's no off seasons 24-7. Hey, I want to be as busy as, as I can be. Absolutely, man. All right, Spencer, thank you for doing the show. We appreciate your time, man, and we will be following you along your career. You, you know, you got your support here. Yep. Thank you so much for your, like I said, uh, it means the world to me. And uh, hopefully I can look back at this uh, interview and say, man, you know what? That was awesome. And there's a lot more that we've accomplished in, in, uh, in between. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 